Welcome to the Best of Seven Podcast. I am your host, Ryan Phillips, and I am here, of course, with my co-host, the managing editor of the big lead, Kyle Coster. We're back. First time we've paired up on this in a while. It's been a long summer, and we are with a topic that I know is near and dear to the heart of my co-host here, and it's baseball. And we are going to break down the top seven baseball players in the world in Major League Baseball right now, count them down seven to one, and give our reasons for why we think and why we value these people and why we think they belong on this list. Kyle, I, I suggested this to you and I, you were pretty excited about it because this is, this is your go-to. You're such a hardcore baseball guy. Well, the thing about baseball is you can find beauty and pleasure in like the smallest things in the worst players in the little bloopers to right field, the pitcher who has a five sixty ERA, but finds a way to get, give a team five scoreless. So then when you start thinking about the top of the field, you start thinking about the icons of the game, the people who are the most exciting to watch and have provided you oftentimes with the most indelible postseason memories. Well, then you get a little bit swept away, or at least I do. And it's almost like when you start looking at the people who have transcended the game and are at the very top I think it's a little bit different than in other sports where I think the top of baseball is further separated from the middle of the pack than in other sports. I think I that we're that. It's yeah. such a hard competitive skill-based game that these people have to be truly, truly special to be a top 10 player, or in this case, a top seven player. I think we're going to find that, we have the same general broad consensus, but that we value different things and that different things about a certain player really sparks interest. Whereas the other person may not have even realized it. Yeah. And this, by the way, for the listeners, this is the current who we think are the current best players. We're not doing all time. We're not considering, you know, a long range here. And and I think that it's not just this season. I had to consider a couple of seasons. I'm going to, if I'm going to say somebody is the best player in major league baseball, it, it can't just be one season. It has to be, you know, sort of, we've seen them kind of rise or, 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 or there's a consistency there. And I, I, I would say this. I think that if you pick the top 25 players in baseball, to your point about the, the top being so further away than the middle, if you pick the top 25 players, I don't think I think everybody would have about the same top 25. Like maybe there's a 26th or 27th guy who could seep in there. But I think that we all agree there's a group of guys who belong at the top. And then it's just your preference in ranking them. So it'll be really interesting to see how we each break this down and how we each went about finding our top seven and who who slots in where Uh I because you're such a diehard baseball guy who who still plays adult league baseball and is has recently been very vocal about a move to center field and uh, high leverage relief situations now and and having to become a team player. Uh, I'm going to let you as the team player go first. Uh, give me your number seven on this list. Who is who do you think is the seventh best baseball player in the world right now? Well, as a team player, I will start my list with someone who I know you're going to enjoy. Maybe you'll be upset that he is not higher up, and that's Fernando Tatis Jr. of your San Diego Padres. We're talking about a 22-year-old shortstop here. We're talking about someone who got a ridiculous contract, but but maybe singularly suited to living up to the contract. So just think about that. He gets a contract that's like, why is this team doing it? $340 million at age 20. He was 21 at the time he got it. 13, 13 years at a position where you are required to be physically fit, where you are required to take your field, take your take your glove out to the field and play the game hard every time. Now we've seen the injury issues this year have been kind of a worst case scenario. They have smartly discovered, you know what? You know what's not a bad position for Fernando Tatis Jr. a few days a week? Right field. Yeah. Left field. Whatever it may be. He's now he's not in the American League. So you don't get the panacea of, hey, why don't you just bring your bat up there, buddy, uh, when when you're trying to prolong your longevity and start Obviously, the Padres are thinking about the long game. Otherwise, they wouldn't have given him this decades-long deal. Tatis, so let's just talk about what he's doing this year, okay? He's only played 102 games. He leads the National League with 36 home runs. It's incredible. 
He yep. leads it in slugging at 638. His OPS is over a thousand right now. And he has 24 stolen bases. Now, I think if he was fully healthy this year, we could be looking at a 50-40 player. Yeah, I 50, I 40. I agree. And and that that shoulder injury, which will have surgery and he will be fine. I mean, everybody's saying it's his non-throwing shoulder. He's going to have shoulder surgery in the offseason. And everybody's saying it'll be a full recovery and he'll be fine. It's just a pain right now. And he's missed, as you said, 32 games this year and is still leading the league and is still the MVP contender in the National League. But you're right. The stolen bases, they've definitely told him to cut out while that shoulder injury because he keeps popping it out of place. And they can't being if they were in a if they weren't in a playoff chase, he would have been shut down already and gotten surgery. But they're in a playoff chase. They're telling him, hey, we need you in the lineup. Don't steal bases that you're right. 50 40 at midseason. I said there's no way he doesn't get 40 40. But again, he's been injured. So and also you take his ability and then you combine it with his attitude, right? I think he's the flashiest young player. He's not afraid of the moment. You longtime listeners of uh, my content know how I feel about the bat flip being overrated. I don't necessarily need it, but I love that this guy just plays his game the way he wants to do it. Doesn't care. He's 22. He's got his whole life ahead of him. If I was him, I would be having the time of my life with the artistic display as well. And I also think it's really interesting too. like looking at him, he reminds me of a new type of shortstop. I think we're about the same age and we can remember when Alex Rodriguez came into the league, Nomar Garcia Perra, Derek Jeter to a certain extent. It was this new breed of shortstops who to that point had largely been defense only guys with the exception of Alan Trammell or Cal Ripken or the more prototypical large shortstops that we would see on major league rosters today. I think Tatis is something else. I think that as we start to understand more about defense and as major league baseball player and as major league baseball emphasizes putting the ball in play through rule changes, defense will be more important and shortstop will go back to this thing where Defense needs to be as valued as hitting. And I think that that's only going to increase the value of players like Francisco Lindor and obviously Tatis. Yeah. And, and look, I've got Tatis higher on my list, but I'm also too close to the situation. Let's be real. As, as a native San Diegan, he's the greatest thing we've ever had. And we had Tony Gwynn and I'll, I'll say that straight out, but I think defensively, you make a great point about defense and he struggled this year defensively. A lot of that is due to his injury. They've said his throw because he was uh, it is his off shoulder, but it affects when you follow through and throw. And he was having a lot of throwing errors early in the year. I think he had 10 or 11 errors in April alone. And then he kind of came back to normal and he had a normal error path the rest of the season. I do not think this move to the outfield is permanent for him. I think he wants to be a shortstop, and I think he will tell the team, I want to be a shortstop. I'm going back to shortstop. I think this is temporarily because of the injury. If he's at shortstop, and last year, I think he was second in the major leagues in defensive run saved defensively. If he is that guy, you've not only got a superstar on defense, you have a superstar on the offensive end. And it's, it's one of those things where you look and he's among the best in baseball. There's no question already with his bat. He's among the best in baseball. If you add that defense, that's actually escaped him this year. You add back that really good defense, even if he's average defensively, even if he's as far as like errors go and things like that, his range, his ability to get the balls in the outfield, like short fly balls and out in the outfield, his ability to gun the ball. He's got the biggest arm at shortstop in the major leagues. It just adds to he's essentially a perfect baseball player if he's healthy. And I agree putting him on this list is a no brainer. I've got him at four. I've got him a little higher, but obviously there's some you know bias there, I think. But I'll freely admit it. But he is just one of those guys. And I think that when you look at this crop of young talent and we've got a crop of young talent in baseball right now that's among the best the game has ever had. Yeah, You know, Vlad Guerrero, Acuna, Soto, all those guys. I mean, there's a a legions more guys under 25, just how good they are. I think he's the leader. I think he is the guy who was at the front. And again, I think personality and attitude has something to do with it. He's the face that you can put forward. He was already on the cover of MLB The Show. He's got national endorsement deals. He's, you know, on ESPN all the time doing features and all of that stuff. I think he is the face of that movement. And I think that movement's in really, really good hands with him leading it. 
Well, maybe we'll just make it personal and we can, you can unload your Tatis thoughts right now. And I can ask you, what's it been like to have him come on the scene over these last three years? Because I wonder if it rivals almost anything that you've experienced personally in your sporting life. I have to imagine discovering that, Hey, this is our guy. And this is our guy basically forever. What has that been like? The only thing I would compare it to maybe is when the chargers and obviously I'm an ex charger fan now, cause they've left my hometown. Screw those guys. But I, I think it would rival sort of like Ladanian Tomlinson when he came on the scene, it was all of a sudden an MVP candidate immediately. But the difference with Tatis is, you know, he came up at 20, 19 and 20, you know? And, and so that's the difference is that he's a kid. And, and his attitude and his personality and all of that, it has galvanized the city. And, and it is the most amazing thing I've ever had. I mean, when Tony Gwynn debuted, I was an infant, you know? And, and so uh, it is the most amazing thing I've seen is just the, the way this guy goes out. And every time you're like, well, he can't hit a home run every game. Oh, there's, there's another one, you know, or like he can't do something spectacular every game. Oh, there's something else. I mean, it's, it's it's sort of like we had in Southern California with someone like Kobe Bryant, where it just like they consistently amaze you with what they can do in their chosen sport. And I uh, I think he's I think he's lived up to every bit of the hype. Uh, and and he was very hyped coming up through the minor leagues. They said he was the top guy. I used to call my friend who's a scout all the time, be like, and my friend you know had told me like, no no, he's going to be the next Carlos Correa, the next you know Lindor, the next you know listing all the great young shortstop. And I used to call him like weekly. So. So is, he, is he still Correa? Is he still he's he, he hasn't he hasn't deviated because we've had a lot of prospects come through here who have completely derailed when they've gotten to the big leagues. And so Tatis living up to every bit of that hype and and just building and building and building. And he's become right now. He's the best hitter in the National League when he's healthy and on the field. He's the best hitter in the National League and uh, is the front runner for the MVP. And I think deserves it despite missing all that time. If the Padres make the playoffs, he certainly deserves it. If they don't, I think it'll be closer, but, uh, I really think that, that he's the guy who, who, who is the best. I mean, you can't take it away from him. I don't think right now. Would it be irresponsible to say that he has the potential to be the best shortstop who ever played the game? No, I don't think that's irresponsible at all because of what he's doing at his age. And given his size and stuff, now he may move off shortstop eventually. You know, as guys age, they may move off. He may move to third, may move to the outfield uh, with the DH almost certainly coming to the National League. Later in his career, he may be DHing. Um, but I think that he certainly has the potential to be as good as anybody who's ever played the position. So who did you have at number seven? Number seven for me is Ronald Acuna Jr. Sadly out for the year with a torn ACL. So it's easy to forget him. But he's a two-time All-Star, two-time second-team All-MLB, two-time Silver Slugger. He's the classic sort of five-tool guy in the outfield. Huge arm, can do everything on a baseball field, can field, can hit, hit for power, has excellent speed. He, speaking of 40-40 guys, he almost went 40-40 a few years ago, went 41 uh, home runs, 37 stolen bases in 2019. Uh, he was having another great season this year before tearing his ACL. In fact, it might've been his best season. He was hitting 283 with 24 home runs, 52 RBIs and a 990 OPS in 82 games. Uh, and, and then got injured. He's elite in every aspect of the game. He's only 23 years old. Again, along with Tatis and some of these other guys, he is part of this incredible young crop of players we've got. And I just think that he's one of those guys who not only is phenomenal now, but, is going to be phenomenal into the future and is going to be one of these people we look at as an all-time great by the time he's done playing baseball. I, I think he is, he has everything you could possibly want a baseball player, specifically an outfielder to have. One of the most intimidating leadoff hitters I can remember watching yes. in my lifetime, which is pretty amazing considering that he's 23. Um, does it a little bit differently than Ricky Henderson, but reminds me of that five tool, center fielder who let off uh, the differences is he's hitting for pop. When I look at Acuna Jr., I kind of feel like he's not too dissimilar from Ken Griffey Jr. at this yeah. stage of his career, which is pretty crazy. Now, Griffey was kind of a phenomenon. He was rode early in his career by playing with his father. Acuna is a superstar. I would say he's probably underappreciated nationally. If he were in New York or LA, I think he'd be a much bigger star than he is being in Atlanta. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. I I just think that he, you want to talk about playing with swagger. He has it. He plays with energy. He's this new breed. He's the new breed. He has incredible athleticism. Looking at this list, I was shocked that he finished 12th in the MVP voting twice and fifth once. I would have assumed it was higher. I see an MVP in his future. Sure. Uh, when the Braves are competitive, when they make the playoffs, I think all the signs are there for him to be a generational center fielder. And we talk about the center field position. It's different than the corner outfields. I don't care how much baseball changes. You have to be so fast and get such good reads defensively to play center field as opposed to right and left. And the players you can stick in right and left field that can also slug the ball and provide offense to play a really excellent center field and still have an OPS around a thousand is one of the, and, and serve as a very productive and feared leadoff hitter. That's like almost at the top of the list of any, any GM wants that any team that's looking to do things like, can we find someone who plays this role? I think that you can make the argument that that's almost more valuable than shortstop right now. We just talked about Tatis. And I think that this guy has watching him in the playoffs, watching him in big games, watching him in the, against the Marlins where he has this thing where they keep beaning him and tensions get elevated. He's a killer, man. He's not going to be afraid of the moment. And I see a lot of postseason success in his future. And I agree. It's very fun. Atlanta needed a guy like that. They, I don't, who's the last megawatt offensive superstar they had like that. Is it Chipper Jones? Probably. I mean, look, they have Freddie Freeman, but he's so understated. He's just consistent. You know, he's a Joey Votto. You know, he reminds me of Joey Votto and then he quietly, you look up and it's like, Oh, he's doing really well, you know? And, and he won the MVP last year, but quite frankly, it was, a you know, you were looking at other guys and then at the end of the season, all of a sudden Freddie Freeman is there. And, and so I agree. I think it might be chipper. I, you know, they had, they've had some great players go through Atlanta over the last three decades, but he looks like he's got the highest ceiling of all of them. And, and I do think, look, he's going to play right field in the future. I, I think that, that, you know, and with his arm, he can do that, but I don't think that diminishes his value at all because of how much ground he can cover out there. You said like the amount of ground he can cover is, is unbelievable. And it was the fact that he could cover so much ground that got him hurt this year. And, and, and you know, as he got injured in the outfield, I, I think that, there is something about him. You're right. Megawatt superstar is exactly where I go with, with Ronald Acuna. He is just one of those guys you look at and you say, oh, yeah, that's a star. That, you know, there's, there's, there's nothing that's going to keep that guy from being a star. I think Acuna is one of those players where you watch one game and you clearly identify him as the best player on the field for both yes. teams. It just jumps off the page at you. He just looks like it. He just, you know, everything about him just looks like it. All right, who you got at number six, Kyle? Well, as a pitcher, and I can say this, I value pitching very much. And I sat down to do the calculus of how much pitching matters versus an everyday position player. They face, there's arguably the same amount of plate appearances a pitcher will face as as a batter will get in a season. Um, And defensively what they do with the ball initially is always far more important than what the defender does with it. They're in more control. So I weigh pitching heavily and there are multiple pitchers on my list. I just have to warn you. And one of them, I don't think that you'll like, but this guy, there should be no argument. He, you can make, I think I have him too low as I'm looking at it right now, but that's okay. Jacob deGrom. You do have him too low. That's that's my opinion. But yes, he belongs on the list. I think no question he belongs on the list. Let me just go ahead and read you his ERAs over the last four years. 1.70 in a full season, 2.43, 2.38. And this year before the injuries, 1.08. Would you like to take a stab at guessing what his whip was this I year? I know. I know because he's higher on my list. It was 0.55 was his whip. That's like, if you were doing calculations, you would think that you plug something wrong into the calculator because that's just not reasonable. It's not human. And it is the fourth consecutive year he's been sub 
one in a lot of these uh, he's got a nine one two he's got a nine five six it's not it's just like I have never seen a pitcher be more dominant and get and the team get less out of it I hope that you have the stat about the records that he that he's setting he this guy could be there's no reason this guy couldn't have won a hundred games over the last five years and no reason. Healthy. There's no, no, no reason. reason that this guy. They should win every start. They should win every start. Quite frankly, he's giving them the chance to win every start. It's not just they should win it. It's just he's literally going out there and they are not capitalizing on what he's doing. But at the same time, I think he's the biggest show in pitching right now. I know he there is. might be some bigger names when he was going and he was on that streak and I God, I hope the streak continues when he comes back. I, the worst thing would be seeing him a shell of himself because it would be one of the great what ifs in sports. Unbelievable. Just he was better as a hitter than opposing hitters were against him. I've never seen anything like it. I, I hope that you have some good factual numbers to throw out here. But when you look at his baseball reference page, it's not just that he gets outs to most prolific strikeout pitcher in the national league over the last two years, probably would have been this year as well. Yeah. What no injuries derailed that. Yeah. The amount of people who win three straight strikeout crowns, it's not, it's pretty exclusive. You have to be pretty amazing for three years in a row to do that. I'll say so from 2017, he had 239 strikeouts, 2018, 269, 2019, 255. Last year, shortened season, he also missed some starts, 104 in uh, 68 innings. And this year, Kyle, this is insane. 92 innings, 146 strikeouts, and 11 walks. 146 strikeouts and 11 walks. His his strikeout to walk ratio, and I noted this, was 13. His strikeout to walk ratio was 13.3. Second place was 7.27. He doubled second place in the strikeout to walk ratio. It would have been the highest strikeout to walk ratio all time by 1.7. And incidentally, fun fact, the highest strikeout to walk ratio in history belongs to Phil Hughes, who was with the Minnesota Twins in 2014 with an 11.6 and DeGrom is at 13.3. So, now, but if you had to pick one to start a big game, do you pick DeGrom or Hughes? <laughs> I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a toss up. Um, yeah, DeGrom is a video game. I mean, he's what happens when you turn all the sliders up on your video game and turn the 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 difficulty down, and you still couldn't top those numbers. I mean, a .55 whip is un- unreal. He would have won his third Cy Young this year. There was no quite like he had. He might have won MVP this year if he kept going. Uh, oh yeah, 1.08 ERA in in 15 starts, and then a, sadly an elbow injury derails him. I. It's just the way he attacks hitters. I love his personality. He just has, he's a complete no-show personality. Like it's just, he no-sells everything and he's throwing a hundred right by guys and just devastating, you know, devastating breaking stuff. I like it's, I I have never seen somebody be that dominant. I've got him at number three on my list. I, because when he's healthy, I think that he's as valuable as anybody in baseball, but yeah, it's 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 silly watching him pitch right now, and and obviously we hope that I, I think that they'll probably shut him down for the year. He's he's throwing long toss right now. I don't think he'll be back, uh, and and hopefully he can start next year and just be just as dominant. Because you're right, he's must see pitching. I mean, he's must see television when he's pitching. It is fantastic. I think he's the only pitcher in the game that I think could single handedly win a team a World Series. I agree. I really believe that if you could get a team, if you could get a series to seven and he could start three games, I really think that's three wins right there. Like I yeah. really think he could go out and throw eight scoreless three times in a row. Yeah. He's Bob Gibson basically is what he is at this point. And you knew when you, when the Cardinals had Bob Gibson going in a world series, they had a very good chance to win the world series, regardless of everything else that happened. I think he's that level of pitcher right now. Uh, the fact that he pitched 92 innings this year and gave up 40 hits. 40 hits and some of those were probably lucky. Um, I, yeah, just an unbelievable talent and, and a guy riding at the absolute peak of his ability right now and, and stunning to watch. All right. And so at number six, I don't have Jacob DeGrom cause he's much higher. I've got Juan Soto left fielder, right fielder, 
right fielder right now for the Washington Nationals. Another guy like Acuna, like Tatis, very young, but is just producing at an insane level for his age. Uh, I think probably the most amazing stat from last year's uh, shortened season was that Juan Soto was 21 and his on-base percentage was 490. He was getting on base half the times he came to the plate as a 21-year-old. And then he also won the, the National League batting crown at 351. I realized shortened season, but still, his OPS was 1.185 last year. And this year, he's backed it up, and he's probably having his best season if you look at you know war, wins above replacement, and things like that. He has a 950 OPS, hitting 298. He's leading the majors in on-base percentage by 20 points with 442. Um, a, just a, some crazy numbers this year. He's walked 105 times and only struck out 78 and he's a power hitter. He struck out 78 times and walked 105 and he's a power hitter. He's at 22 home runs, 71 RBIs. He's backing up everything he's ever done. Everything we've thought about Juan Soto and, and just being a magician with the bat. He's backed up. He's also a, a, a good outfielder. Got a big arm. Um, I, I just think that the thing about Soto that stands out to me is that when the Nationals were at a point where they had to re-sign Bryce Harper, they said, we're not going to spend that much money because we've already got our next superstar here. And Bryce Harper, perennial all-star, perennial MVP candidate, they were okay letting him walk. I mean, they tried to re-sign him, but they didn't go overboard to re-sign him because they knew they had this other guy who was going to be their next superstar. And that says all it needs to say about his ability. And he's lived up to that billing. He is a superstar. He's only 22 and he's an absolute star. I also have Soto on my list at number five. And I agree. There is something, you know, this year there's been a lot of conversation. I'll get to this in a roundabout way. There's been a lot of conversation about Joey Votto because he got 2000 hits and we've kind of been having a Joey Votto appreciation thread going on for a few months here and he talked about how he hit that way because he wanted to keep his strikeouts low and how that hurt his power essentially, but made him this incredible on base machine. Juan Soto is the most prolific on base machine in baseball and he hits for pop. He kind of is doing the thing that Joey Votto did only with more tools and he's doing it at that young age, age 19, playing in the major leagues, 79 walks, 99 strikeouts. To me, that might be more impressive than the other numbers he's put up in that department as he got older. Because you're talking about a teenager having that type of plate discipline. It's absolutely shocking. And there's something so badass about someone who can just get on base 45 47% of the time. It's pretty unbelievable when you think about it, when you look at what league averages are, which is usually around just over a third, right? Yeah. Like that's so much more often. That's 10%. That's that's out of 10 plate appearances. He's going to be on one more of those than the average. It's, it's pretty stark when you think about it, just in that like broad context. This is another guy. He's a little bit quieter in public. He does not have the large personality. But in the batter's box, what a presence. What a presence this guy has. I would hate to pitch to this guy because I would hate him for goofing around up there, but I would know that he owns me. I know when he does the little shimmy, the way he smooths out the area, the way he stares down the pitcher. What an intimidating and formidable foe. And he did that right out of the box, which and, is so cool. Like yeah. the gravitas, he came into the league and he immediately backed up already a world series champion. That's what I was going to say of the young guys. He's the only one with a ring, you know, of that young group. He's the only one with a ring. And it's not like he was barely contributing. He had 34 home runs, 110 RBIs that year. And at 949 OPS, like he was a big part of that team. And uh, I, yeah, it's, it, he's, he's another one of those guys who was very hyped as a young prospect and has lived up to every single ounce of the billing. And I mean, it's he's he's so just so good and he's such a good hitter. And he, the, the you're right. The plate discipline is what separates him. I mean, the fact that these guys come up wanting to hit bombs and he is willing to wait for his pitch. And that is so rare uh, uh, among young power hitters. And again, he has the plate discipline of a guy in his early 30s. 
you know, who's been around the block and he's 22. It's he'll turn 23 this October. Like it's, it's, I, I, he's, he's one of those guys again, that, that we look at as like, because of the way his plate discipline is, he's going to sustain this for a long time. You know, if it were a guy who just hitting a bunch of home runs, but was undisciplined at the plate, you can see that going away with him. He's going to be around a long time and he's going to be successful for a long time because he handles that aspect of the game so well. So that's your number five as, uh, as well. Yeah. And the definitive word on him comes from Jeff Passan, who is not really prone to hyperbole, who is not really prone to hyperbole. Uh, you know, he was calling him the next Ted Williams. You know, that he put his name on that piece. He is owner of that take that Juan Soto is Ted Williams. And I think that was opened up a lot of people's eyes. Uh, you start looking at the early returns. You start thinking about what he's going to do in his career. Uh, could be like pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. Uh, as far as left-hand hitters go, uh, I think best in the game. Probably right now. I, I don't, I don't think I don't, you know, I mean, he and he and Otani are the guys, you know, left-handed that you don't want to face. I mean, but as a pure his, you know, as an only a guy who's a hit only guy. Yeah. I I'd say, because you go again, and we'll we'll talk about this later. But you have to consider Otani almost in a separate category because of, you know, he adds so much value on both sides of the ball. Um, so that's that's your number five. Is Soto it was my number six. Number five for me is Mookie Betts, and I think this is a guy who has not performed to his standards this season. Uh, he's dealt with some injuries, and and a couple Dodgers have been down this year. And you know, there's a there's a World Series hangover certainly. I think and and with what a tough year it was last year for everybody. Uh, it's not surprised that some guys have taken a step back, but even with a step back, he's still got an 889 OPS, 19 home runs. He's st- he, st- he hasn't sold many bases this year, but you know, 374 uh, on base percentage, he's slugging 515. Like he's still performing, even though this is probably his worst season since his rookie year. Uh, but his, F- his, his wins above his fan graph wins above replacement still a 3.5. He's just an insanely valuable guy and, and what he can do in the field. I mean, he's as good a fielder as there is anywhere in baseball. He's got maybe the best outfield arm in baseball. Five-time All-Star, two-time World Series champ, 20, 2018 uh, AL MVP. He's got five gold gloves, four silver sluggers. He could do everything on a baseball field. I think it was really funny. A couple of weeks ago, the Dodgers put him back at second base where he played for, for the Red Sox for a while, and he made like three unbelievable plays at second base. And then he goes back to the outfield and he's, he's the superstar outfielder. Um, I, I think that the key for bets that separates him is not only what he did in Boston, but then to come over to the Dodgers, a team that could not get over the hump as far as winning a world series, could not do it, could not do it, could not do it. They add Mookie bets. They were the best team all year last year in the regular season. And then cruised through the playoffs, had it, had it ran into a bit of a, uh, a wall against Atlanta, wound up coming back to win that series struggled a bit with Tampa in the world series, but he was just the constant and he, he, he's the guy that put them over the top because it was basically the same roster being returned every year, except they added Mookie Betts and then they won a world series. I think it says a lot about him that he's able to add to that both culture wise and with the, you know, with what he can do on the field. The thing about Mookie Betts and the reason why I think Boston ultimately got rid of him is because that he was sort of hard to understand. He was a center fielder playing right field, which in Fenway you need because that's an extraordinarily difficult part of the field. But I just think that they didn't fully appreciate and realize what a gamer, what a winner he was. And what he did last year in the world series between his defense between his hustle. I just looked it up. He stole four, he stole four bases in the world series. And that happened in 2020, which is basically like hitting 70 homers yeah. uh, in a season, the way the baseball is played, but he also hit large home runs. He hit for power. He was clutch. What an amazingly graceful athlete across all the sports. I think watching Mookie Betts play baseball is art the way he runs, the way he throws, the way he can do everything. How amazing is it to watch a baseball player who can literally do everything? And I don't think he's the most physically 
imposing body too. He's, he does it like he's five nine one eighty. Like like his shocking. His size does not equate with his ability to hit for power. Hit the ground he covers in the outfit. There's usually tall, lean guys covering that much ground, and it's it's unbelievable. He's like a cornerback. I mean, he's like a small cornerback size. And you watch him play other sports. I mean, he's a great bowler. You can just, you give him any type of stick and ball. He's going to figure it out. It's like this unbelievably poised and gifted athlete at that frame. Kind of, I think, endears me to to the old days where a player could look like that and be fantastic. I mean, you know. It's the same kind, same kind of reason why Dustin Pedroia was so beloved in Boston. And to that end, it's kind of it makes the decision to get rid of him even more shocking. At the same time, he performed in Boston, he performed in Los Angeles, two tough markets to play in. He's never been afraid of the spotlight. He's got the personality for it too. Like he's a he's a winning personality in every aspect. You mentioned the year he hit 346 uh, and, and slugged 640. That's pretty crazy that he put up an OPS of 1.078. That is statistically, we were just marveling over Soto's 1.165, and that was in 60 games. The year Betts did that, he played in 136. We'll look at that as one of the best individual seasons of the last 10 years, if not longer. And it wasn't that long ago. Betts no. won. What Betts did, Betts narrative is he proved his narrative in winning the World Series last year. But he did that coming from the side of all the fanfare about some of the younger stars we've talked about on this list. And now it's to the point where Betts is almost like part of the old guard. But yeah, yeah. he's not. He's certainly not that old. He's 28. only 28. But it feels like the reason why he feels old is because he's accomplished so much. He came into the league at 21. The next year he was in the MVP voting. And then his third year in the league, he was second in MVP voting. So he hit the ground running and really bets could be a template for a lot of the guys that we talked about on this list. And some of the young superstars who are just outside to follow. Is he on your list? Oh, he certainly is. Where well, you got I him? have Mookie bets at three and he might be my favorite player on my list. Personally, I, I love watching him play. Uh, it's odd, but when you're a dad, you start having these weird thoughts about how, you know, if you're, if your kids play sports, what type of player you want them to be, or maybe that's just me. But I think about it when my kid was playing baseball, it's like, what type of player would it be awesome if he turned out to be at least an attitude or like on whatever scale. And it always came back to kind of like a Mookie Betts type, someone who you could watch and was smooth, didn't let the pressure get to them and always looked like they were having fun out there. I think I love watching Betts smile. Uh, he, reminds us all that it's a kid's game and I don't yeah. know. And I think, and I think the fact that he does it out of that frame makes it even more the impressive. Yeah. Uh, a guy, I certainly hate being on the Dodgers for the next decade uh, as a Padres fan, but a guy you have to respect and who is one hell of a baseball player. So that was my number five, Kyle, who you got at number four. All right, this is going to be the most controversial of the entire list. He also plays for a team that you don't particularly care for. He's also not one of the best pitchers in baseball anymore, or is he? Little guy I like to call Clayton Kershaw. My favorite pitcher of all time, perhaps, just above Justin Verlander. I think that he got he's gotten an entirely bad rap based on his playoffs the playoff performance be, until he won the world series really took away from what is just an ungodly pitching run. I mean, we want to talk, let me rip through some ERAs he put up starting in 2011, 2.28, 2.53, 1.83, 1.77, 2.13, 1.96, and 2.31. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me with that stretch and the way that baseball is played? Yeah. Four years in a row, a whip under one ERA champion, five out of eight years, including four straight. To me, I think he's the best pitcher of his generation. He has 
maybe the coolest curveball I've ever seen. If you ever get the opportunity to see what Kershaw's stuff looks like, like from behind the catcher or right behind him, I think there's some bullpen videos. You watch what his curveball does compared to his fastball, and it is the most insane thing you will ever see. It just feels like this like loopy waterfall. Like, how could anybody get a ball to move like that? That he was able to perform in the postseason and get big outs in clutch circumstances, get that monkey off his back, to me, you know, validates him and brings him maybe like he's had a longer career, but we just saw what happened with Giannis. And we all knew that Giannis was this incredible player, but he had never done anything in the playoffs. And Kershaw's, you know, laundry list of, of failures are, you know, are what they are. But Giannis wins the NBA championship. It's immediately like, okay, well, he might be the best player in baseball. Kershaw finally gets his World Series. And I think it's time that we look back and really reflect on what type of pitcher we thought he was. In 2017, he won 18 games. He went 18 and four, led the National League with a 2.31 ERA. Then the four years since, let me let me rip through these. It's not like he's fallen off the cliff. Nine and five with a 2.73, 16 and five with a 3.03, six and two with a 2.16, and this year nine and seven with a 3.39. And battling to, injuries this year. So right. if you want to tell me that this pitcher is a shell of himself, he's not anymore. He's still a very winning pitcher. He might not be the top 10 in baseball, but considering what he's done in his career and how he's been able to prolong and age gracefully, yes, he's 33. Yes, it's a different situation, but as someone who has to see what Miguel Cabrera has done the last few years, it's a miracle and it's so, it's really impressive. I think Kershaw has multiple postseason runs left him and we could be looking at a situation where maybe he's a three-time World Series champion and we'll look back at a decade of discourse and be like, what the hell we were talking about? This was proven so wrong eventually. Yeah, I, I think one of the interesting aspects of this offseason coming up is going to be, does he resign with the Dodgers? Because he's been injured. He's kind of getting a little older. He's maybe running out of gas a little. I mean, it, I still think he's going to be, he can be a great pitcher, but he's not what he was maybe three, four years ago because of the injuries does he actually wear another uniform? Does he go back to Texas maybe and, and pitch there? I, you know, somewhere there. Um, I, I completely agree with you that he's one of the greatest of all time and, and one of the greatest of his generation. And, and I've gotten an up close look at it being a Padre fan, having to face him all the time and just loathing it. Uh, you're right about that curveball. There's something about a curveball that is just so magical that when a guy has a great curveball like that and uh, this, you know, obviously a, a, a weird detour, but in high school, I faced a guy named Adam Johnson who wound up being drafted number two overall uh, a couple of years. He went to Cal State Fullerton and wound up being drafted number two overall. I faced him and his curveball looked like it went from your shoulders to your ankles in the span of about a foot. And I can tell you as a hitter, it was impossible to even get your bat on. And I can't imagine. And, and that's a guy who went to the major leagues and washed out very quickly Kershaw's curveball is otherworldly. I mean, you, you're starting to talk about maybe the greatest, one of the greatest individual pitches of all time, along with Mariona Rivera's cutter and, you know, Trevor Hoffman's changeup. Like, you know, or certainly of the last 30, 40 years. That curveball is what defines him, but it's not, it's not everything. And, and he's also incredible with his fastball location and his ability to throw a slider slash cutter on, in on the hands of, of righties. I think certainly you can say undoubtedly the best left-handed pitcher of his generation. I think you you'd get some argument with Scherzer and Verlander and some other guys for best of the generation, but I think Kershaw wins that. And, and to this day still, I will say if you need one great performance, there are a handful of guys you would say, that's the guy I want on the mound. And he's still in that at 33. And with all the innings he's thrown, I would put, again, Scherzer in there. I'd put Kershaw in there. You might put Walker Bueller in there. Maybe Jacob deGrom if he's healthy. I mean, there's a group of maybe four or five guys you want on the mound in a big moment. And Kershaw is still there despite everything and despite the injuries and everything like that. So I, I, I don't have him on my list, maybe because I'm looking at the last year and, and, and weighing that heavily and, and his, you know, he's had trouble staying on the mound, but I can't argue with having him among the best baseball players around. And, and 
it's really irking me that we've gone back to back Dodgers, but I think that uh, <clears throat> I think that that it's certainly fair. And I think another level of his appeal for me is that he's done it without being a fireballer, without throwing 99. He's pitched. That's always more impressive to me. It's always more impressive to me. I fear that we're going to lose it a little bit going forward. We've already lost it in the span of his career. But how incredible is it that he goes out there and he does it? Yes, he's got that incredible pitch, but he, you know, he's not blowing his fastball by people anymore. Certainly not to the level, even like a mineral lever for the the Reds is coming in and throwing harder than him, maybe even from the left-hand side. He's doing it with guile and he's doing it with craft. And I think that that is so fun. And I think that that makes it even more impressive than the numbers that he's put up because he does – Yes, he's a strikeout pitcher, but he pitches backwards a lot of ways. Yep. And I think the lead that, with a curveball. Yeah. Yeah. No, just just in terms of artistry, way up there. Agreed. Uh, so number four for me was Fernando Tatis Jr. We've already we've already talked him to death. Uh, number three for you was Mookie Betts. Uh, so we'll slide right in to number three for me was Jacob DeGrom. So we're just going to keep on going. Who's your number? I, I've got DeGrom at number three. Uh, we've already talked about him. Who is your number two, Kyle? Well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I was surprised when we did this list that my top two played on the same team. Wasn't yeah, I'm, I'm there too. That. It sounds like you have um, you have the same one. I think we're probably going to have the same one and two. So I'll say my number two is Mike Trout. I am with you on that as well. All right. So that means that we are in lockstep on the top two. They both play on the same team and that team's no good. How about that? (laughs) That's not great. What a thing to say. Two greatest baseball players right now. Same team. Not any good. Not not in playoff contention. Awesome. So what about Trout at number two? Like, I mean, obviously he's one of the greatest of all time, but what, what stands out to you that makes him so special? I think it's the consistency when you talk about leading baseball and OPS four years in a row or on base percentage, four out of five years or OPS plus six years, and it looks like seven out of nine. He, I mean, he has three AL MVPs and he has four runners up and obviously he should have more. It just got boring. And the way it works is they need new storylines and trout is famously hard to market and underappreciated. But when you watch him play, it's just, he does kind of everything better than like the next version of people who are showing his skill levels. We talked about Acuna earlier in this podcast. Well, Trout does every single thing better than Acuna, right? (laughs) You say, well, maybe he doesn't steal bases as well as X, Y, Z. The reason why he doesn't steal bases is because they asked him to stop and they realized that it wasn't as valuable as leveraging his health for extra base power. But we're talking about someone who came in and in age 20 stole 49 bags. He had the potential to be a 45-45 player. Um, he strikes out a lot. I guess that's the one bugaboo about his game but guess what he walks a ton too he led the american league in walks with 122 he's led him three times constantly over a hundred he plays still plays a magnificent center field he's getting everybody's best shot and i think with him it's kind of weird because i never warmed up to him he's not someone who resonates with me at all and i've tried He's just Mike Trout. He's from New Jersey. He's got that haircut and he's really good at baseball. It's kind of weird, but I've been able to look past what he's not and think about what he is. And I think that he's gotten to a level where think of how good you have to be that that type of greatness is not fawned over. It's not drooled over. We don't talk about Mike Trout anymore. I think he's almost transcended the game to a level because it's like we're so a nerd with all that he's done in his career and continues to do that he just doesn't excite in the way that someone else doing things even less impressive than he is might captivate us. Yeah, look, you talked about Juan Soto potentially being Ted Williams, and that was Jeff Passan's you know, statement about him. Mike Trout is Joe DiMaggio. 
I mean, he, he just is. He's a center fielder who covers all the bases, is an amazing center fielder, and then just hits like nobody else. And, and, and you talk about his ability to his OPS. He's had five straight seasons with a slugging percentage over 600. That's incredible. And, and, and the OPS is super high. And every year, his wins above replacement is super high among the leaders. And he does it quietly. You're right. It's, he's not a flashy guy. This isn't his teammate, who we both have at number one, who's Otani, who just is, is blasting off every night. This is just a guy who consistently beats the crap out of baseballs. And it is we all know he's amazing. I mean, based on his statistics at this point in his career, he's arguably one of the top five players of all time. And people don't know anything about him. You know, he's, he's such a like such a quiet personality. And that's the way he wants it. And that's completely fine. We don't have to, you know, have that about him. We can appreciate him on the field. And 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 I think we have to. He this year obviously has been been derailed by a calf strain. And it looks like he's I mean, there's no reason for the Angels to bring him back this year. They're struggling so badly. But he's still among the best players in baseball and will be for the next. You know, I, that's not going to change for the next five years. He's still going to be among the best. And, and the crazy thing about it is it seems like he's been around forever. He's only 30, and he's still performing at an incredibly high level. And I agree with you on the MVPs. He should have far more than three. Uh, he is, I think, until this year, undoubtedly the best player in baseball, inarguably the best player in baseball, until something happened this year that changed that. And, and so, uh, again, highly, highly underrated highly uh, I, I think everybody knows he's this great but i think that I, I i say underrated in a way that i think publicly people just don't talk about enough what we're actually seeing we're seeing one of the best baseball careers ever happen right now in front of us and it doesn't get talked about enough yeah i i, I forgot that the last time he was healthy for a full season and they played a full season he won the mvp i forgot that that seems so long ago but he is essentially the reigning full season MVP. There's no reason to think that when he comes back, he can't pick up where he left off, which was hitting 45 bombs and driving over hundred and leading the league in OPS slugging on base percentage. You say maybe top five player in baseball. And that sounds hyperbolic, but career OPS of over a thousand, <laughs> which is insane. Slugging 583, the career leader right now, Batting average 305. He's walking three times for every four strikeouts. Like it's pretty shocking what he's doing. And, and he's going to continue to do. He's going to hit 500 home runs in his career. And I easily think that, like you stack him up. No. Yeah. He's either the next Joe DiMaggio, but I think when his career is over, he's going to be a more complete player than Willie Mays was, which when you say that out loud, you're crazy, but the numbers will bear that out. A more complete Willie Mays. What about you? Yeah, I, and I think that's the perfect punctuation on Mike Trout on our Mike Trout discussion. I, I I completely agree with you. I think that he is gonna be that kind of guy that we look back at. That you and I look back at, tell your kids about, you know, and 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 talk about. Oh, you were really young when this was going on, but this was amazing. And uh, he's certainly going to be in Cooperstown someday. No question about it. So. Let's get down to the big discussion. It's been the big discussion of the 2021 season. The guy dominating headlines. Number one, Kyle, you're not throwing me a curveball. It's not, you're not, you're not going to say like Anthony Rendon. He said they're on the same team. You're going to say like Anthony Rendon. It's Shohei Otani is number one for both of us. Anderson Simmons. Uh, <laughs> is he still on the team? No. Yeah, it's, it's Otani. I mean, we are in the midst of the greatest baseball season anybody's ever had. Anybody who wants to tell me that what Babe Ruth did was better. It's not true. I don't know why we need to convince ourselves that Babe Ruth was better as opposed to just appreciating, appreciating the unicorn that is in front of us. The other day, Otani was in Detroit and he pitched eight innings of one run ball. And he also hit his 40th home run of the season. Uh, and I, I just couldn't imagine that I was typing that sentence and it was something that actually happened. He leads all baseball with 42 bombs and 618 slugging as a pitcher. He's been a shutdown guy. If he pitched in the regular rotation, he could have won the Cy Young this year. He's eight and one. He's got a three ERA. It's 105 innings pitched. They're definitely 
baby him along. And also, I mean, he plays for the angels. It's not like he's, um, you know, like going to be buoyed to a ton of wins. He's also had an elbow injury, so they're going to take it easy. You know, a couple years ago, he had Tommy John surgery, so they're going to take it easy. No, this is okay. So let's just talk. Let's throw the numbers out the window and just talk about Shoyotani is a two way player in a sport that hasn't had a two way player like this in 80 years, 90 years, whatever it is, since Babe Ruth. And really, there's only one that we know about, right? We know about Babe Ruth. It's not, we're not littered with. Christy right. Matthewson also wasn't a great hitter and Lou Gehrig didn't come out and, you know, pitch Throw relief. Fifth <laughs> day, right. Like he didn't have a mean knuckler that he parlayed to like a 16 and three career record or something weird, even like that. This has always been a game of differentiation and delineation and specialization. You know, yeah. Yeah. Specialization and stuff like this. Otani is breaking that mold and what he's doing. I feel like, a kid again, watching him play in a way that across sports, I'm not sure a lot of things have brought me. It's this magical optimism and opportunity about, Hey, you can do all things. He is doing all things. He's a storybook character. One wonders how many people throughout the history of baseball might've been capable of doing something like this and were denied the opportunity. Never again, will they be denied the opportunity? And I think that's, could be his legacy because yes, what he's doing has never been done or hasn't been done for 80 years or whatever, but maybe it gets done with more frequency in the future because he is a trailblazer for the very type of player that might be the one thing that can elevate baseball to compete against the other sports. We spend so much time discussing what the sport needs to do. And I I think the honest answer is retain its current fans and then create a factory of players who play like Otani that can become these unbelievable superstars. These people are doing things like think of baseball becomes a two way sport eventually in some capacity. I think that makes it even more exciting and more appealing. Uh, I, you know, uh, we'll let you just, you get me with your Otani thoughts, but I think what he's doing, he's not just the number one player in baseball right now. I'm to the point where, yes, it's a small sample size, a very small sample size. He does this for four or five years. To me, he's the greatest baseball player who's ever lived. Wow. Simple as that. I, I'm serious. If he yeah. dominates hitting and pitching for a five-year stretch at this rate. Who else has ever done that's that? It that's yeah. it for me. Yeah. Uh, what I'll say about Otani is there is no comparison who the most valuable and best baseball player in the world is for me right now. Not Mike Trout, not Fernando Tatis, not any of these guys. There's no comparison because of the incredible value you get out of him because of what he can do on both sides of the ball. Nobody's doing that. You know, as you said, Tatis isn't stepping to the other side and and throwing, you know, closing games for the Padres. Like it's, there is something unique and different about him. First of all, his swing is unbelievable. How much power he generates. And he's a big guy, 6'4", 210. But the amount of power he generates, it reminds me of when Tiger Woods would strike a golf ball. Like it's just because he, he's not a violent swing, but he uses, he leverages his body to such a way that the ball just jumps. He hits the ball as hard as anybody in baseball. It's not like he's just hitting home runs. He's also hitting the ball harder than anybody. I think there's a a group of like five guys who he compares to who hit the ball hard as hard as he does. And that's it. Oh, and by the way, he's going to pitch tomorrow too. You know, I mean, it's, it's just staggering what he's doing and you're right. It makes you feel like a kid again when you were in awe of athletes and, and, I think as you get older, especially in the business we're in, like we see athletes as human beings. We don't see them as these mythical figures as you do when you're a kid. Otani's a mythical figure to me. Like it's what he's doing is, is just, I didn't know that could be done. And if you've never seen it before and you didn't know it could be done, then it's make-believe. And so what he's doing feels like it's make-believe. Um, I, I think it's worth noting that uh, Fangraphs tracks, you know, they call it, it's F war Fangraphs war. He's leading the major leagues at 7.1 right now. As a hitter alone, he would be, I think, top 15. You're right around there. There's a bunch of guys tied. He'd be a top 15 hitter. But then you add the fact that he's a pitcher, too. And he's, as you said, he's he's eight and one with a three ERA and, uh, you know, hasn't been. I think when he came over, 
a lot of people expected that, well, eventually he'll just pitch. Like it's just, he'll, he might hit sometimes and whatever. But the reason why he didn't sign with a national league team is he, he was adamant that he wanted to do both. And two national league teams, I think the giants and the Padres were in a, or were, were down to the wire for him as well as the Mariners. And then he picked the angels, but he wanted to sign with an American league team because he thought he could do this. He believed he could do this. And a lot of people said, eh, he's going to pitch like, because that's where his, his high value was. And we found out that the value exists on both ends of this. And quite frankly, he's probably been more valuable as a hitter uh, during his career so far because of the injuries and all that. You have to baby an arm a bit these days. But you're uh, you're 100 percent right in everything you said that if he can sustain this, it's something we'll talk about forever. It won't just be a you know, this one season is fun. And we'll talk about this one season, sure, forever, because he's going to win the MVP. There's no question he's going to win the MVP. He could stop playing today and win the MVP. But I agree that if he plays for the next few years, we will look at this and be like, how did that happen for the rest of our lives? How did that stretch happen? And how did he do this? And how did he sustain it? Uh, what he's doing, again, just staggering what he's doing this year. And, and I, I truly hope you're right for the health of baseball, I truly hope this continues. I hope he, you know, he's 27. I hope he and all those young guys continue to perform because I think it's great for baseball. And I think it brings new fans to baseball because when Otani's on television right now, it's worth watching because he's going to do something. And what's awesome too, is that everybody is appreciating it in the moment. So often we, you know, look back like, Hey, we didn't appreciate that. Like what was wrong with us? Everybody appreciates Otani because he makes it so obvious transcendent player comes to me like you have no other choice but to just be in marvel home run derby number one seed and the all-star break then he leads off and then also starts the game as a pitcher everybody's like uh excuse me what what's happening here it was kind of like you know he's the major league version of the best kid at, at williamsburg yeah at williamsburg at the little league world series it's just we are all on board. We are all enjoying it. It's something where it almost feels like I get the sense, Ryan, that like maybe we are on borrowed time when it, maybe there will be a regression. Maybe this is the best season that Otani will ever have. I mean, God, I mean, it, it should Couldn't be. Blame him. Couldn't uh, blame him for that. <laughs> he, he is a human. Uh, but so we're all just, we're all just loving it in the moment. And, it, and it's been so fantastic. And we kind of like see well, how far can this guy go? Can he actually hit 50 bombs? Um, the one thing for him to do that's going to make him elevate even higher into the stratosphere is to do it in the playoffs. And it's the same thing with trout. If they ever get an opportunity to parlay their skill at that level, and change the conversation. It's only going to send them even higher rocket ship to the moon. Tell me you're not watching Otani in the playoffs. I mean, that is going to be, I would, I would cancel all other plans to watch him in the playoffs. And yeah, and I mean, we said so much about the guy. He's a clear number one. It was almost like, okay, you know, ranking the six best players in baseball <laughs> because like, what do you, what are you going to say? Um, maybe the most, crazy thing is that before this year Otani might not have been on either of our lists I don't think he would have I think it all came together for him this year and and again but you have to remember that the pitching has been a struggle for him because of the in the, the elbow injury and he hasn't consistently been on the field and then he was hitting I, one year you know he had Tommy Johnson he still hit but it it was you know it's it's been kind of fits and starts for him and now uh, he's finally sort of put it all together. And, you know, look, it, it, they say this about players who come over from Japan or, or the Asian leagues. It takes a while to adjust to the hitting because you're seeing more velocity than you ever see over there. And you're seeing just different stuff than you're seeing a higher level of stuff. So the hitting takes time to adjust. It feels like he's fully adjusted to, to, to made that adjustment. Pitchers can dominate coming from, from over there, but he's struggled obviously with the injuries. It just feels like now everything is lining up he has developed to the point where he can compete on an equal level. And he's showing that he's so far beyond everybody else that that is on the field with him. All right. So maybe just to reset our list here at the end, seven to one, I had Fernando Tatis, Jacob deGrom, Juan Soto, Clayton Kershaw, Mookie Betts, Mike Trout, 
and Shohei Otani. And counting mine down, I had Ronald Acuna number seven, followed by Juan Soto at six, Mookie Betts at number five, Fernando Tatis Jr. at number four, Jacob deGrom at number three, and then Mike Trout and Shohei Otani uh, at two and then one. Uh, the angel, the angel duo who may never see the playoffs, sadly. Hey, uh, guys running the angels, get some pitching. Please get some pitching other than Otani. Just, just any amount of pitching because we want to see these guys in the playoffs. Kyle, it was great having you back. It's been a long summer. Uh, 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 it's been a while since we've done this. I, I was happy to do it on such a fun topic. Thank you for, for joining us today. You got it. Uh, for everybody listening, thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back with another episode. We should do more for the football season. I think we're going to break down a lot uh, as far as that goes. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Keep your eyes tuned to thebiglead.com for all the latest in sports and keep your ears tuned here. We will be back with another episode soon. Thanks for listening.